and welcome back to the strangest gig I've ever played. True tales from the studio and the stage. The podcast where we hear all the weird, wild, wacky, terrible, and or amazing gigs we have to take in order to make it as freelance and gigging musicians. On the podcast with us this week is longtime L.A. studio musician and singer Jeff Passetto. The voice of some of your favorite childhood cartoon theme songs. So let's get started. Welcome back. I know it's been a minute since our last episode, and there's a very good reason for that. That's because I just put out a new album. That album is called I Am Not Cool. It came out August 20th on State Fair Records. I'm very proud of it. We had a, uh, a an amazing release show, double album release show at the Kessler Theater with my good buddy Billy Law, who also had an, had an album come out that day. And it was a lot of fun. We got to... Uh, share the stage with one of my musical heroes, Ken Bethay, who came up and played a nightclub with us, the old 97 song. Ken, obviously the guitar player for the old 97s. I hope you'll go and check out my album. Again, it's I Am Not Cool. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Music. You can even buy it on vinyl. You go to statefairrecords.com and look for the shop. We have a few shows coming up, coming up in October, in Fort Worth, Denton, and Dallas, a little mini DFW tour, which we're excited about. We'll also be playing at the State Fair Records and Torres Music Group Day Party at Americana Fest this year, which we're super excited about. As always, you can go to chrisjnorwood.com to find out more details about any of this. I hope you'll come see us at one of our shows. I hope you'll check out the album and uh, see what we got going on. On the podcast with us this week, as I mentioned, is LA session musician and producer Jeff Passetto. I got connected to Jeff through my good friend Nick Seeley, who was our guest on last episode of the Strangest Cake podcast. And I had a really great conversation learning, uh, getting to talk to Jeff and uh, hearing about his career. Jeff is the singer, as I mentioned, on some of your favorite childhood cartoon themes. DuckTales, woo! Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Darkwing Duck. All these iconic songs from the early 90s. Jeff was the singer on those tunes. Jeff has also worked with music industry luminaries like Quincy Jones, David Foster, Smokey Robinson, Phil Spector, along with many, many more. Jeff had so many great stories, and I really enjoyed getting to talk with him. He joins us via telephone, so you'll, you may hear him drop in and out of, uh, as the cell reception dropped in and out. So I hope you won't let that distract you from these great stories. And without any further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Jeff Passetto. So first off, Jeff, welcome to the Strangers Cake podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Your man, my pleasure, Chris. I'm uh, really excited when Nick told me when Nick asked me if uh, if I'd be interested in having you on the podcast. I said absolutely. Uh, just being that you're the the songs that you sang on were kind of a big part of my childhood. <laughs> and I'm yeah. sure you get that a lot. I, I get that from how old are you? I'm 37. Yeah, so it from 34 to like 39, and then yeah, from from that age group. Uh, I have a daughter that's 31. Okay, and she grew up on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So that's it's, great. it's. I didn't realize doing it; it was going to become world. You know? 
Yeah, and we'll get into more more details about kind of for those that don't know what we're talking about. Um, so first of all, uh, first off, tell me uh, tell me about your current gig, what you're doing currently. I still, I mean, I've been songwriting for the last 35 years, so I still write songs. Okay, great. Um, I've been with seven different publishers over the years. Wow, yeah. Catalog around, you know, mm-hmm. different publishers. But right now, I, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm 66, so I'm kind of retired. Yeah, that's great. But I can't stop doing music, so I constantly still write. Yeah. But I produce other people who mm-hmm. want demo their songs i'm kind of a one-man band because i can I play guitar keyboards drums bass things so yeah. i can kind of give them a demo of their song that sounds like a record you know so that's perfect a lot of that do you have your own studio at your house there i do oh here. yeah yeah that looks great so yeah i uh i've kind of set up my living room as my studio and my living room <laughs> That's fantastic. And uh, I sing a lot for people because I've been singing my whole life. And so everywhere from commercials, jingles, uh, I sing backgrounds on a lot of records. Yeah. I sing like this guy in Hawaii just called Medium. He's a singer, but yet I did one of his songs that I co-wrote and he asked me to sing every song on his album. <laughs> I, well, this your album he goes yeah but i want you to sing all the songs so, okay yeah why not you know at this point in my life you know i'm like okay whatever is is it get paid i'm good i don't do it for the money but i you know i yeah. have to get paid yeah you still got bills to pay it's kind of easy i stay at home and i can record the vocals and you know email the files to people yeah, I mean that's and that's kind of the way of the world, especially. I mean, especially now because of COVID, but even you know, just it was kind of headed that way in general. Um, but I imagine you know it wasn't always like that for you. You do a lot of headed into the studios. Yeah, I did. I I used to go to their house to demo the song or their studio. Yeah, or the, wherever they recorded the song, I did a lot of that. I yeah. used to see all Diane Warren demos. Wow. So I did that for years and she was fun. You know, she, it took a couple hours. She paid me really well. We had fun doing it. That's great. Her songs get cut. So mm-hmm. I would hear sometimes they'd use my backgrounds on the records. Oh, wow. Maxie Priest did. Wow. And David Foster would produce a lot of Diane songs and he would call me and say, Hey, we're using these backgrounds for Monica's record or Celine Dion or whatever, yeah. you know? So I would be like, great. And he goes, can you come down to the studio? I'll fix a few things, but we're mainly going to use the 10 tracks that you did. Yeah. And we're going to do them. So that was nice. Yeah. So I did a lot of that. But, you know, more interesting was producing records. I love to produce records. Right. And I you know, I had a lot of opportunities to produce records back in the day. I say back in the day because, you know, I'm still producing, but sure. I'm not mainstream pop world anymore i think right. i've outgrown it you know yeah i mean to be honest i think i have too <laughs> you know it's it's such a it's a hard market and plus i'd go play songs to a and r people that were like 19 and i'm going like wow <laughs> 
So, and then now, uh, now, like, I want you to, uh, if you could just tell me about, for those that don't know, you're the singer on uh, Ch- the Chippendales Rescue, Rang- Rescue Rangers theme and the DuckTales theme, right? Yes. So tell me about just how that came about. Tell me about how that came about. Um, were you, uh, yeah. did you know the, the writer, the songwriter, Mark, or? Yeah, the songwriter Mark and I used to co-write all the time. We've had a couple cuts. We had an Algero semi-hit okay. together. We had, uh, you know, we had written a song for Michael Jackson. Oh wow! Quincy called me when I was signed to Quincy and said, "Come to the studio. Michael's recording your song tonight." Oh, what so was you, that? What was that like? Well, it's unbelievable. When I got there, Michael came out. And met with me, and he said, "You know, I have good news and bad news. <laughs> Give me the bad news first. And he said, "Well, the bad news is, I just cut a song called "Man in the Mirror." Oh no! Even though it doesn't sound like it, it looks like it. Yeah. And I was like, "What does that mean?" And he said, "Well, they're both message songs. My song was about don't abuse children. Yeah, love them, and right. it was called." Bear the rod, love the child. Yeah, and it was a really cool song. Yeah, and loved it. But he had just cut "Man in the Mirror," and he didn't want two message songs on his album. That's funny. That was disappointing. But the good news that Jermaine, his brother, was going to cut the song. Okay. Okay. Well, that's not as good as you cutting it. You know, (laughs) it's still a Jackson. Uh, It was a Jackson. It sold a million records. Wow. Which was. But Michael sold like forty. Million. Right. Yeah. So, what year would that have been? Uh, whenever Bad came out, it was that was the record. Okay. So, I guess ninety something. You know. So I was extremely disappointed, obviously. But you know, those things have happened my whole career. Stuff like that. Yeah, the near misses. So close. Yeah. You know? And then, so did you say you were signed to Quincy's label or uh, when Quincy Jones? At California, I was playing in local bands in Baltimore, Maryland. Okay, that's where. And uh, Quincy, through a bunch of circumstances, got to hear material that I wrote and really liked it. So he asked me if I'd move to L.A. I said, "Yeah, I'd love to." That's great. And so, in nineteen eighty-four, and I moved to five because the first year I actually stayed in Maryland and just sent songs to them. Yeah, but you want me to move here? Yeah, and I moved me, and I'm out here. So <laughs> he said, "Got it." So he moved me to L.A. and uh, you know he hooked me up with so many people. Amazing. That's I incredible. mean, you call somebody, they listen. Yeah, exactly. He shows up but, on your speed dial, especially yeah. back then. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. So then, was Quincy your connection with with Mark? Well, Mark, Mark was signed to MCA, and we just, you know, connected on, you know, we got along great. And then Mark called me one day and said, hey, would you mind singing this Disney cartoon? I think you'd be great to sing it. It's just the demo. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, sure, you know, why not? So I sang DuckTales, and, and Disney, he told me he got it. You That's know, great. Disney used his song, and they tried a bunch of acts on the record, I mean, on the actual version that they were going to use. And for some reason, they just couldn't get past the demo. They loved the demo so much. That's great. They hired, it wasn't working for them. So yeah. they called and said, listen, we we just love your demo of the song. Mm-hmm. 
we understand that you did the demo, but we want to hire you to do the real thing. Wow. So I went in the studio and they they had this guy, Greg Karukas, who was a friend of mine, a keyboard player. He, he's actually a pretty famous jazz keyboard player, great guy. Right. He did all the music and he did the demo too, but they hired him to do the record. Yeah. I think, you know, the the actual version that's going to be used for the theme. Sure. And uh, so we went down and then later on, I found out it was going to be on every day <laughs> on network television. Back then the cable wasn't that. Now yeah, it, yeah. It was on network. So that meant huge bucks. Oh, absolutely. So I tell you, I went to my mailbox for like 10 years and it was just like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. That's. Do you still see residuals from that? I do, but Disney has a contract. You know, the longer it goes, the less money you make. Gotcha. That's how they work. But uh, I still get a couple hundred bucks a check, you know. Yeah. I used to get like 16000 every 13 weeks. That's yeah, crazy, so yeah. It's crazy. And I was like, Mark, I'm like, man, cartoon important to hit records. <laughs> yeah, and, doing the – yeah, seeing those residuals come in for – for network shows, that's that's huge. Yeah, something I did a half hour, you know. It, I did it one time, and it's every day. Yeah. So it my house, and it was pretty cool. Uh, and then Mark did another one. He said, I wrote another one. Would you sing the demo? And I said, yeah. Sure. So he ended up getting that one, too. And again, they said, we might as well use you because we love DuckTales. And that was the Chippendales one for the, for the was, next one. Yeah. And right after DuckTales, it was like, oh my God, amazing. Yeah, I hit two in a row. Mark and I wrote together a lot, and we would say, we should dress as ducks and <laughs> the world, you know, because we'd probably be famous. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, y'all have made a killing. <laughs> we laughed about it, but we probably should have done it. That's funny. So we on were- that, on the original DuckTales one, was Mark up against any other, any other songs oh, or any other acts? They call, used to call that a cattle call. Yeah. Know? So, yeah, I'm sure there were hundreds of things written. And Mark just nailed it. I thought his cartoon was great. Oh, it's you know, iconic. Mark, writer, besides writing cartoon themes, he's a great writer. Yeah. He had hits with uh, Hart. And like I said, we had a hit with Al Jarreau. And, you know, we've got tons of cuts over the years. And so, but his... His claim to fame is DuckTales, too, you know? Yeah. He big time with both of those. And he's, you know, if you wrote the song, I'm sure he's still making more than I make. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Was that, a, was that a union thing? Did you get, I mean, I'm sure everything back then was union. Yeah, it was union. I, in fact, I'm not sure if that's how I joined SAG. Because to join SAG, you have to have done something on right. television. Right, right. If you haven't, they do this Taft-Hartley thing mm-hmm. where you get to do it once and then the next time you do any television work, you have to join SAG. Right, yeah. And it was like 800 bucks. I think it's like 3000 to join now. Oh, wow. But yeah, and uh, so it got me in SAG and you know now I get a, a, a pension from SAG from all the work I've done. That's great. But yeah, I think that sag gig yeah you know so did those lead to any other uh tv themes or was that you know i did more themes um 
I, I actually did all the music uh, for Princess Guinevere and the Jewel Riders. And uh, I didn't sing them because they, it was a girl's show. I wanted a girl singer, so I hired a friend of mine to sing all the songs. And uh, I did the theme. It was like, Princess Guinevere and the Jewel wow. Riders. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that was cool because I got to produce all the songs and that wasn't network television by then it was cable right but yeah i've done i, I actually forget because sure. i've done singing sessions and stuff on records and and cartoons and commercials so i don't really i didn't solicit it but you know i'm sure from ducktales i got some work absolutely yeah that's great and then so and it just kind of kept going and you know, just the gigs come in and you do them and then you don't know whether they're going to catch on or not. Yeah, I have no clue. You know, it's like I did. I don't know if you ever heard Beekman's World. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I did. You know, they called me and said, can you write a song about magnetism? <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> did kind of a princey kind of song. Yeah. Because uh, Prince was popular then. And I said, OK, I'll do something like that. And then they said, well, we want you to perform it on the show. And I'm thinking, what am I going to be? They said, we're going to dress you like a magnet. <laughs> but when I got there, that whole idea like did not happen. And it was just perform the song. Yeah. And I'm going like, well, I wouldn't perform a song called Magnetism. But I'm like, why not? Sure. So they filmed all these radios and magnets going by me. And I just played guitar and sang. Yeah. Magnetism. And that that paid really well because it was constantly running. Right. So that was, that was the show with like the, the guy dressed up as a giant mouse and yeah. And the girl. Yeah. And Beeman was like the mad scientist kind of guy. Yeah. But they would, they would talk about snot. Why do we have snot and stuff? Why is there hair in our ears? And it was cool though. It was, I liked that show. Yeah, man. I loved it growing up. I, I, that was another staple of my youth. Tell me about the strangest gig you've ever played or strangest studio session you've ever done. I'm sure living in LA, there was, you know, there's no shortage of strange last minute or. Uh, the, the funniest I thought, and this is when I, you know, had been singing in studio gigs and, you know, I got a call to sing for a uh, Jack Klugman, Tony Randall reboot of the odd couple. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm like, cool. Yeah. So I got to the studio and they said, well, the, the irony of the story is Jack Klugman had cancer of the throat. Oh, no. As a, he wanted to get back into radio because he was like a radio announcer. Right. God couple. And Tony Randall got him a new commercial. Mm-hmm. The commercial was a toilet bowl cleaner. <laughs> so obviously Jack Klugman was like, oh, you booked me for a toilet bowl commercial. <laughs> But they needed somebody to sing the commercial. Yeah. So I came into the studio and they weren't there. I didn't meet the odd couple or anything, but the producers were there. Yeah, they yeah. said, we just need you to sing. Just pour it in and flush. <laughs> so I went out to the studio and they said, "We, you know, give it a lot of, you know, oomph and <laughs> brassness. And I, I literally just went, 
just pour it in and flush. <laughs> and they just went, that's perfect. That's it. <laughs> so they said, well, do better than that? I go, I'll sing it a couple times. I sang it two more times and they went, nah, the first time was the one. You, <laughs> you know? nailed it. And they said, do, do we get a discount for you singing it so fast? And I said, no, I should get paid extra for saving you studio time. <laughs> and we were joking and laughing, but oh my God, I made like, I have to say like $3,000. Wow. To sing that one line. Yeah. And then from being on TV, the, the movie was shown on television. So I got paid and I went, oh my God, I'm doing the wrong thing. I should be singing commercials you know? <laughs> because there's money in it. Singers actually get paid pretty good when they do television work. You know, much more than the musicians make. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a musician too. I'm a guitar player. Sure. I thought, man, singing is the way to go. But, you know, I did a couple, uh, I did a couple demos that it was weird, you know, where I would sing a demo and I'd sing the whole thing down and the person would listen and they say, oh, that's great. Um, but we wanted you to sound like Smokey Robinson. Okay. And I said, sure. well, you didn't tell me that when you started. And I got to tell you, I produced Smokey Robinson. And on his album, out of 10 songs, I sang the demo for seven of them. Oh, wow. And he doesn't want to hear an imitation of himself. Yeah. He wants to just take the song and make it his own. Yeah. He doesn't want to hear a singer sing like Smokey Robinson. Yeah. So they said, well, you know, we'd really like you to try to sound like Smokey Robinson. So after like three hours, and this person was a famous songwriter, I don't even have to mention their name, but I just went, you know what, I'm done. Yeah. You pay me enough money to stay here any longer. Oh, wow. And you just walked and I, out. I walked out and said, you know what, you don't even have to pay me, I'm done. You're just over I'm it. Wrong, but that was one of the worst sessions where I walked out and, I was looking forward to meeting the writer because she had had many hits. Yeah. But I just went, you know what? This is not worth it. My time and uh, this abuse is not worth it. Did anything happen after that? Did you catch any blowback or? No, I never heard from her or yeah. never heard from her anything, you know. That's crazy. I people the story and they would say, oh, yeah, she's kind of an asshole. <laughs> okay. And you meet people in this business, you know, I've met famous, famous people. Yeah. I'm not so famous people. They're kind of famous. And sometimes they act so entitled and like they're more famous than they are. Sure. And you work with really famous people and they're the nicest people in the whole world. You know? Yeah. So, what, was, what was it like working with Smokey? Smokey was great. Yeah. yeah. we. Uh, I produced a song on him. And it's kind of funny because... Uh, I was producing it with Iris Gordy. Okay. The, yeah. Started Motown. Mm -hmm. Iris um, was the sister of Barry Gordy. And uh, I think Smokey married one of the Gordys too. Right. And anyway, so Iris and I were producing the song. And she kept saying to Smokey, sing it like Jeff. <laughs> Please stop saying that. <laughs> It's Smokey Robinson. One of the most iconic voices ever. I'm going like, I don't want to hear sing it like me. I'm telling him to phrase it because you're singing it, but he's not singing it like you. And I, <laughs> Please don't say that again. <laughs> you're just like 
you know, you have to, as a producer, you know, you have to be kind of a psychiatrist in a way, you know? Yeah, especially with singers. Feelings, you want to pump them up, make them feel really good when they're in the studio. So I, I kept saying to Smokey, hey, man, that was great. Let's just try it again, you know? And, uh, you know, we got along great. That's yeah. right. Where did y'all record that? In LA? Uh, yeah, that was... I know we went to the record plant sometimes, but Ocean Way, I recorded there. Wow. Got so many studios out here. Oh, yeah. Names of them. But yeah, that was... Uh, you know, I like I say, I, I met Smokey a lot because he cut my first song that I ever had cut. Wow. And, uh, that song has been cut seven times, but he was the first one to do it. What song? It was called Just Like You. Just Like You, yeah. Uh, when I met him, it was in Baltimore for the first time. Uh-huh. And he wouldn't have remembered that. Right. Then when I was producing him, I said, you know, you cut a song of mine years ago, and it's called Just Like You. And he's like, oh, my gosh. That's funny. And uh, so it was kind of funny how things, you know, would happen. And I'd end up producing on a record, you know. It's yeah. crazy. Plus, I sang on "Remember the Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had backgrounds on that. Wow. You know, so I meet some of these guys, and I met them when they cut my song, and they didn't remember. But then I'd end up in the studio with them. With again. them, yeah, and you'd get to kind of introduce yourself that way. And unfortunately, you know, they didn't have phones with cameras back then. Yeah. So I have no record of any of this, but it all happened, you know. So I know I'm not, I know you said you're kind of you know semi-retired now, and so this may take a little bit of thought. But what would you say your your dream gig is, or maybe was? Maybe you maybe you did it already. I think if I could get a gig on like the Tonight Show as a guitar player and singer, you know, that would be the ultimate gig. Yeah, that's that was always like guitar player in the SNL band. That was always my dream gig as well. Yeah, that's a great gig. That would have been a great gig too. Any of those, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, uh, Stephen Colbert, even even the later than that to do Seth Meyers or yeah, Gordon, any of those shows to be the musical guy in the, in one of those bands. There's a guy on Jimmy Kimmel that went to school with Jimmy. Yeah, and I produced his record. His name's Cleto Escobedo. Yeah, the sax player. Uh-huh. Him and his dad do the Jimmy Kimmel show. Wow. And he's talked about it. It's like the dream gig because, you know, here he was trying to make it as a singer, sax player, which is hard. Sure. He had a deal on Virgin. You know, the record didn't do all that great. We got a couple cuts in movies and stuff, but we remained friends. I don't see him that often, but, um, you know, he told me what a gig. He's been doing it for a long time. Yeah. And it's you know, I think it's really cool of Jimmy Kimmel to hire his friend, you know. He always does, yeah. From high school. He seems like a really cool guy. Yeah, he does. Um, but yeah, like a gig like that. Even now, I wouldn't mind a gig like that. Sure. That's what that I be, said. You know, yeah. set money and get to play music. Yeah, and different music every night. Absolutely. I grew up watching, you know, the SNL when it was the G.E. Smith days. And just watching that band, you know, every, every week. It's just... Yeah. Man, just look at just killer players. Just to, I always thought that'd be a blast. Yeah, I like that band. 
And I, you know, one t- I used to be on those shows. Mm. And uh, one time I was on with Donny Osmond. Yeah. And we were doing the Tonight Show. I think Jay, it was Jay Leno. And so we performed, and they came up to me, and they said, you know, are you available tomorrow night? Because Al Green needs background singer. Oh wow! And uh, it was a it was a black girl, Sue Ann Carwell, uh-huh. and another. And so we did the backgrounds for Donny Osmond. We sat on stools. And so the next night we were on again. Yeah. With Al Green. Wow. And people from Baltimore thought I was on the Tonight Show every night. <laughs> that was just your so regular gig, they thought? You made it. You made it. <laughs> I'm going like, no, nah, I've got 500 bucks. You don't understand. It's it's a fun gig, but it's all it is. You know? Yeah. It's a cool story. It was, it was kind of funny because... Uh, Jay Leno comes up to me because he noticed that I was there two nights in a row. Yeah. He says, are you after my gig? <laughs> I said, no, no, no. He was kind of funny. He's a nice guy, too. That is funny. So for the Al Green thing, did y'all, did y'all get to rehearse it at all? or Just, you know, they did it one time during rehearsal. You rehearse about 4 o'clock. Yeah. Live show. And it's funny because during rehearsal, uh, Al Green's like, you know, take it. You know, and I'm <laughs> Let's stay together. And I'm going, man, if he does that tonight, that'll be great. Yeah. At night, he went into the audience. Oh, so fun. We were laughing because we weren't even on camera. Yeah. Kind of goofing off as he went to the audience. Uh-huh. And, you know, you just goofing off because you're singing the backgrounds. Yeah. And we're dancing. And for some stupid reason, I did a Saturday night fever move. I go like this. Yeah. When the camera came on us. And so my friend, like, why are you dancing like John Travolta? Like, <laughs> I was like, been off because during rehearsal, he let us sing. And at night, he went into the audience. So I didn't know they were going to put the camera on at that moment. Wow. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Like, it was funny. I mean, nobody cared. Yeah, just having fun. I, just look stupid all of a sudden they go to the backgrounds and I'm like doing this. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? So it was funny. So y'all did Let's Stay Together? That was the song he did? Uh, we did two songs, Let's Stay Together and um, it was his other big hit. Um, oh, man. It wasn't um, Love and Happiness. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those two. Those are great. Yeah, and, and he's such a great singer. Oh, yeah. You know, I worked with Al Green. Uh-huh. Hear his records, and he, he sings so soft. Right. Like, I, yeah. I'm so in love with you. You know, but then hear him live, he's belting those notes, wow. and he's fantastic. Like, he's a really great singer. Yeah, man. And really impressed. I liked him anyway, but then when you get to work with him, you're like, wow. He's great. Yeah, he's the best. So, uh, the last question I always like to ask uh, is, uh, what is one thing that you have to take with you to every gig? I would say the best thing to bring is a positive attitude. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's great. Walking mile and, you know, there's no equipment that I bring or anything. Yeah. Walk in and have fun. Walk in, make it fun. 
make them feel like I'm really having a good time doing it. Not this is work. This is fun. That's great. Them happy too because they see you know I love to sing so it's not like work. Yeah. You know I never think of music as work. I always think of it. God, this is going to be fun. You know. Yeah. yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a pretty unbelievable job to have. You know, I've always said to people, man, if you find something you love, you don't work. You just have fun every day. Yeah. And I have a brother that's a contractor and he builds things and he loves it, you know, yeah. so he really enjoys his job too. So it doesn't have to be music. It can be anything. That's great. Passion. And I saw the Beatles when I was nine. Yeah. And just couldn't believe it. I was just blown away. That's what I'm going and my dad was like, you need to finish high school. And I'm like, I don't care about it. <laughs> but I did finish high school. That's good. That Barely. <laughs> well, you have the diploma to, to prove it, though. I have the diploma, but I worked at a deal because I was playing six nights a week yeah. when I was. Wow. I'd be out till two in the morning. And I remember the math teacher would say, Jeff, do you know what to solve the problem? And I'd be like. <laughs> I'd look up like so tired and she's like you want to join us and I said I'm sorry I'm just I'm so tired <laughs> so I talked my teachers I said I'm so tired I don't want to disrupt the class can I just come on Fridays and I'll study and take the tests and they said well it's okay but no matter if you get a hundred on the test or not we're giving you a C and that's it and I was like okay yeah that's passing. So I peace, and I was fine with that. <laughs> That's passing. And I passed, and I had a, a musician history teacher, and he used to say, Jeff, you might want to sit next to Ray on this one. He's really good at this. <laughs> when he would announce the grades, he would go, uh, Ray, 84. Jeff, 84. Who knew? <laughs> I would just copy his. Like, I didn't know. I was terrible in history. I just didn't care. And now I love history. Yeah. You know, I want to learn all about it. I love documentaries about Civil War, but back then I was not interested in it. Yeah, too busy making music till 2 a.m. Learn how to play guitar and sing. I just, I'd play all the time at home. And yeah. Well, man, what, a, what an incredible career you've had. I've, Man, I've really enjoyed getting to hear about it. Thanks, man. It's been it's been a blast, and you know, I wanted to make it as a singer. You know, I I, I felt like uh, when I moved to California, signed with Quincy, and I worked with David Foster. I mean, I thought, you know, I want a record, and uh, I've had a few record deals, but I, my first record deal was when I was seventeen years old. Oh wow! And I got signed to Spectre Records. And uh, I remember the record came out and it went to number 40 on the charts. Wow. And I was, it was on the R&B charts. Yeah. Came out as Jeff and Alita because mm -hmm. they wanted it to be a duet. And I had a girl singer in Baltimore that was this black girl who sang beautiful. She was kind of like a Roberta Flack. Yeah. And we duet together and they just wanted it to call it Jeff and Alita. Mm -hmm. And uh, I couldn't buy the record. <laughs> number 40 no record store had the record and i'm going like well this doesn't make it <laughs> and it was phil specter's label and he just he blew it 
Yeah. It, I think we could have had a semi hit, you know? Wow. Yeah. Top 40 on back then was pretty good, you know? Yeah. So did they just not push it like you thought? Well, if you can't buy the record, they're not going to sell any. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it went to top 40 on the R&B charts and then it just kind of fell off because it kind of died out. They probably put a lot of money into the promotion. Who knows? Yeah. But it was a and uh, I got to come to L.A. to record that. Yeah. So that was my first kind of big break. You know? Yeah. Taste of L.A. Yeah. That's great. Well, Jeff, man, thank you. I don't, I don't want to keep you too long. So thank you so much. I mean, this has been such a such a treat to get to talk to you. Cool, man. Yeah.